episode 44 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast, recorded November 28th, 2019. My name is Ian, and I live in a small hobby farm in BC. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sport shooter, reloader, and my farm's designated handyman. Eric's away tonight. He said something about picking a fight with some Santa Clauses. <laughs> Alan? Oh, hey, that's me. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still I'm still preparing as we're going. Uh, you weren't you weren't prepared now. for the episode. <laughs> I was prepared, just mentally, not not on paper. Right. <laughs> My friends and family call me a safety nerd, not necessarily prepared nerd, but uh, safety nerd. My background as a first responder is develop my mind for safety. I teach first aid. I coach my family and friends to be better prepared. I'm a locksmith by trade. I've worked in the physical security industry for more than 20 years now. My name is Tyler, and I'm broadcasting from my five-acre homestead here in northwestern Wisconsin, USA. Since purchasing my first house a few years ago, I've been working to turn my property into a self-sufficient homestead with an emphasis on preparedness. Back to you, Alan. Sorry. I'm back. I'm here. It's okay. (laughs) Do you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, although a little bit better than how I'm doing right now? Buy a Canadian Prepper podcast t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook. Uh, You can find us at facebook.com slash Canadian Prepper podcast and submit a review on iTunes as well. Uh, We want to hear your feedback, good and bad. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover or if you'd like us, or if you dislike something we're doing wrong. Email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, it's my dad joke. I'll own it tonight. We have some sizzling content for you this evening. We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we're going to let you know how we've improved our preparedness since our last episode. Then we'll get into the main topic for this episode, which is cooking without power. News time. Um, the big one, the, the big one coming up uh, is that as we get closer and closer to uh, to the big the big guy breaking into our houses, um, there is a generalized increase across the across the world of um, random acts of violence. People uh, like to steal other people's things, um, and uh, home robberies, especially as people watch you leave for the holidays, um, and they know that you've got stuff in your house. Um, the article that I that I posted is from uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area, and um, a couple of people have gone into uh, gone gone into uh, bad places after uh, attacking somebody else in a mall parking lot. Um, attacks over parking spaces and gifts are not uncommon this time of year, so keep your head on a swivel and um, don't advertise that you've got a lot of stuff in your house. It's like the insanity starts. Well, it's like the insanity starts on Black Friday and doesn't seem to end until Boxing Day. Well, you know, actually, even the New Year, maybe. Yeah. I was gonna say, we're, yeah, Boxing Day has extended to Boxing Week, and now you're into like the the first week of January before things start to calm down again. Um, and if you are traveling, um, make sure that you've got, make sure that your home looks lived in. Um, go back to the four finding the Doomstead episode. That was our last episode, wasn't it? And a uh, um, few quick looks at how you can make your home less of a target. So quick question. Do you guys do like a Black Friday in Canada? Because I know yep. here in the States, everybody's gearing up for that right now. Uh, even a lot of the sales yep. are starting tonight, 6 p.m. They've already started. Yep. Yeah, most, most really of ours. Well, I was going to say, it wasn't really a thing until maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
and then uh you know it really took off here as well it's just, it's it's you know we're so linked with the social media and the news and everything else. It didn't get, take much to catch on here too. Right, right. Even even though our Thanksgiving was like six weeks ago, um, so it's just it's just an excuse for ramp- rampant consumerism in exchange, <laughs> yeah. you know, preparation for Christmas, right? So you bet. <clears throat> good sales though. You guys busting any doors down tomorrow morning? Or <laughs> you know what? I think there's a lot to be said about the online shopping. Just if yeah, there's going to be a Black Friday sale, there's no lineups, there's no fights, there's no like scrambling over the ten dollar TV and people getting trampled. I just uh, I'm going to do it. I do it online. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I, I went uh, went to Canadian Tire after work today and uh, raided the raided their. Uh, Black Friday sales. That was the the extent of my the extent of my shopping, and then I'll do I'll do everything else online. I have no intention of going anywhere near a mall between now and January third. Yep, yep. I'm gonna make it to uh, Fleet Farm tomorrow. Hopefully, they got Carhartt jackets and stuff 25 percent off, and then steel toe boots are 70 bucks off the pair I usually buy. So, gotta get in there and take advantage of the savings. But yeah, usually the last place I want to spend time. <clears throat> so, oh, cool. I've uh, got a quick. Uh news article on the ongoing uh, soap opera that's uh, Quebec right now with their propane supply. So as we mentioned last week, they had a rail strike nationwide here, which is causing a severe shortage of propane in Quebec and now in Ontario, I guess it's getting bad, um, which is, of course, the two main population centers of, of Canada. So uh, interesting news article in the fact that a couple of things they mentioned that Quebec did to overcome their shortages. And of course, you can kind of translate this to other areas or other countries um quebec just decided to repatriate some propane that was on trucks in the inside the provincial borders which means it didn't belong to them uh but they took it <laughs> so so it's just like just like nationalizing a company they repatriated it as they like to call it and so they just took it to uh, offset their shortages mm-hmm. uh they did do some rationing against everybody's will of course from six million uh liters a day down to 2.5 so pretty much have their usage and then some uh, but I learned a couple interesting facts. So 85% of the propane comes from the West via rail. And it all happens to travel through Ontario and Sarnia. So, uh, you know, it might not even be a rail strike next time. It might just be a broken rail line and you got just as many problems, right? Mm-hmm. That's something to think about. Uh, and then the priorities they decided to come up with. So during the rationing here, um, kind of not exactly, un- you know, unexpected, I guess. But the priorities the government designed were uh, medical first, uh, then agricultural, then government. Then if they have any left over, then the general population can buy some. <laughs> so, you know, you're last in line for, for anything if it comes down uh, to, to crunch, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So Loyalty to the party will be rewarded, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And also, that's just more reason to have a couple big uh, barrels of propane handy, which we'll get to later in this episode. Uh, that's pretty much it. I just thought it was, it was so uh, educational from one article when, you know, something goes remotely haywire and crunch time happens how fast the the population gets shut out put it that way yeah yeah so i I will wager money that the uh the government officials are not included in the general population oh guarantee it not but uh the other interesting thing actually i I think i have it later on there is um the six days ago they posted an article saying they have a week of propane left and it's really been quiet since. Now I know there's a couple a couple trains worth of propane that've made it there, but not enough to off- offset the shortage. But they've been awfully quiet about the last few days, so it'd be very interesting to see how it all pans out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I uh, got just a couple local news articles only uh, this week. I've taken a break from the political circus here in the States. Um, first story I came across, just to kind of circle back to the last week's episode on fortifying the doomstead. So headline reads, Minnesota man accused of using Porsche as battering ram. <laughs> <laughs> he knows He knows they don't have big bumpers, right? <laughs> I guess not, yeah. <laughs> Uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin prosecutors accused a Minnesota man of using a Porsche as a battering ram to get his Nissan Altima out of an Unalaska impound lot. Uh, and it goes on to say that he he took this Porsche that was unlocked with the keys inside outside of the outside of the uh, impound lot and and crashed it through the steel fence and stole stole back his Altima and drove it home. They had it all on video and they ended up pulling over pulling him over about an hour later. Um, so yeah, it just goes to show that people are going to find a way through any type of barrier he got set up. So, well, I guess if it's not his yeah, car, it's the car, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, for us here in the states, uh, specifically Wisconsin, here uh, deer opener started uh, well then last Saturday, so November twenty third, and that runs through uh, December first here. And uh, somebody published a really interesting article here as uh, a couple of as uh, a researcher and an economics professor from Ball State University. And they went through and analyzed daily crime data with statistics from deer hunting seasons spanning 20 years in 21 states. And they found some really interesting stuff. Um, I just pulled out a few statistics here. And uh, first one here, each year, more than 10 million Americans comprising 18% of all American gun owners use firearms to hunt deer during restricted dates. There are no other policies that induce 600,000 Wisconsin males or 530,000 Michigan males to systematically and temporarily carry and use firearms. Um, and the whole premise of this article was, was to kind of show that um, hunting season and, and hunting deer with rifles actually decreases gun violence and other, and other crimes. And they found through this study that uh, approximately 12% fewer, fewer violent crimes during the first two days of firearm season they also found that alcohol-related arrests fall by 22% and narcotic offenses fall by 15% during rifle season. So just some, some cool so, statistics. Hunting is good for all of us all the time. Yep. Got it. And, yep, and, none, and none of those hunters went on a mass shooting? That is so weird. No, isn't that a shocker? I know, right? <laughs> Strange. But I thought guns were evil or something like that. That's, yeah. that's what they like you to believe, I guess. And then uh, the last one is just a short article here. Um, DNR encourages deer hunters to look for feral pigs. Uh, I found that pretty surprising because I, I don't know if there is a, a known roaming feral pig population here in Wisconsin. But the article says that uh, Madison, Wisconsin, officials are urging deer hunters to keep an eye out for feral pigs. Uh, talks about the deer hunting season, and then it says uh, feral pigs are unprotected wild animals and may be hunted year-round with no bag limits. So perfect. Well, we actually touched um, on was, this about. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Al. I was actually I'm reminded of a, a news article I, or a news story I heard on the on the radio a couple of days ago that uh, uh, a woman near a small town in Texas was killed by yeah. a couple. Oh yeah. Of, wild boars wild feral pigs mm-hmm. and they uh like the she was a caretaker and the the elderly couple that took care of her or that she was taking care of found her outside some hours later mm-hmm. having been gored or mauled, mauled or to death yeah, yeah, yeah my, wife, my wife mentioned that one today uh yeah extanguination so uh she didn't have a yeah. uh a cat tourniquet on her i guess so uh <laughs> but no obviously, or she was unconscious and unable yeah. to apply it to herself. yeah no so obviously the uh the uh the tusks are a thing, right? I mean, uh, they, they have yep. horrible, horrible teeth, but they also have the big tusks, right. which can open up an artery pretty easily, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. But 
Actually, we touched on this article about, or this subject about, what, 10 episodes or 15 episodes? Yeah, about I thought Bigs. I remember yeah. hearing it on the podcast, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's becoming a thing on the prairies, and I know Texas has had it forever, but they've worked their way all out the way up the central prairies there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys obviously can't hunt at night, um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. But yeah, so feral pigs are generally nocturnal. So the problem is you might have some in your area and not even know it, but... Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know if your hunting rigs would allow you to shoot them at night because they're not protected. Yeah, I'm not sure how that works because I, I think you can hunt coyotes at night as well. Yeah, because we're not allowed to shoot anything at night, so that's why they're spreading okay. so fast. So, yeah, the very interesting thing is um, how they're going to end up controlling them. I think they're going to have to allow some sort of a let because, I mean, an infrared scope would probably uh, reveal yeah. a lot more than people realize. <laughs> I would but think any- so, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, the feral pigs is a thing for sure. Definitely. Oh. Well, I guess that's pretty much it for news. Uh, what have we done lately for preps? Uh, Alan, do you have anything up? Um, just that I, I went and uh, did some tool shopping today. So I've uh, um, started getting uh, some more comms gear together uh, in anticipation of finishing my shortwave license uh, early in the new year. So when the when the uh, deals have presented themselves, I've been kind of jumping on it. And then uh, added a few more tools to the garage. Um, Canadian Tire has decent prices on a few things so um i went and did a little bit of christmas shopping for myself today and uh ended up with a nice big long pair of jumper cables and a few other goodies so um took advantage of the took advantage of the sales mm-hmm. hmm. uh let's see here for myself i uh just adding something as i remember that uh so i processed uh, 20 spent hens actually this morning and a few excess roosters uh took them over to the processor just because uh rampaging feed costs they're not producing much um and it's that time of year where there's the food consumption is going to go way up to stay warm right so uh sure. yeah so they're going to pick those up tomorrow and then we'll have a bunch of uh, dog food because spent hens you can't really eat they're not really that tasty and their right. meat's old but um so yeah we've got dog food and chicken stock and everything else to make after that um been spent way too much time at work lately so i haven't done a whole lot of preparedness generally but uh, worked in supply some minor survival training, which is always good for a comedy because they always mention, you know, stuff like, did you know that people can die of hypothermia? <laughs> it's like, whoa! <laughs> what? What? <laughs> and Come then, on! Yeah, a person needs water to survive. Oh, yeah. Hey, okay, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So it's always good for a good giggle. But um, and other than that, we were just mentioning, uh, oh, must have been last year, I think, talking about the gray man theory. And uh, I've been toting around a uh, tactically uh, tactical looking bag at work and uh, i decided i gotta get with the program there and gray man it up a bit so i decided to change it out uh, for a much cheaper and plain looking everyday swiss uh, swiss gear backpack just to uh, avoid people asking questions of what my morale patch is and everything else <laughs> and uh yeah i just just avoid some awkward questions and conversations especially if you're dealing with a a not so preparedness friendly person so that's pretty sure. much it for me Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, last weekend we tore into the Christmas decorations, start decorating the house, and that turned into a full-blown clean, organize all the closets in the house and kind of just general decluttering. We ended up bringing about a truckload into the Goodwill. Um, and last weekend we had some pretty nice weather as well, so I tore down some some old barbed wire fence along the road. That was all. Uh, it had actually been torn down by one of the uh, municipality companies and they did a terrible job and they ripped it all down. So it was all bent up. Uh, I pulled that out and I ended up recycling about 20 T posts from that. So I'll be able to use that for fencing in some pigs in the spring and uh, plan to 
plan to replace that fence with some uh, some natural shrubs. I'm thinking some lilac bushes in the spring, so we'll transplant those. Um, and then uh, got the skid loader ready to plow snow. We got our first substantial snow here in Wisconsin uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. We got about eight inches of snow, so I was out there this morning before heading out for Thanksgiving lunch and dinner, uh, plowing the driveway and everything else. So, yeah, that's about it around here. <clears throat> Good cool. times. Hey, what's 20 centimeters? I see that in the show notes. 20 <laughs> <centimeters>. <laughs> I we, forgot to mention that. Yeah. We, yeah, we, sit, we a, swing. Oh, go ahead, Al. Yeah. We, we, there's, a, there's a handy chart. I might, I'll have to forward it to you. I forget where I found it, but it was how to measure things like a Canadian. And we measure most <laughs> things in inches. Uh, really? We measure weight in pounds. Oh, absolutely. Um, hey, depending we're, on. We're swing, we swing both ways. We're biometric. We swing both okay. ways. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I measure I measure most distance in kilometers, but still think of speed and miles per hour. It, it's okay. It's so, what are your guys' speed limit signs? Well, they say uh, our speed limit signs are all in are all in metric. It's all like 110 okay. kilometers an hour, but that's okay. um, that's like 65. <laughs> right. And, and right. Like I, I go about 65, and it takes me about two and a half hours to get anywhere. Okay. Oh yeah, like uh, when I was at uh, one of my last jobs, we were uh, ordering fuel in liters. Uh, the gauges read it in pounds, and then oh, the right. uh, a lot of times that we'd have to actually order it in gallons. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like, oh boy. You know, you so, get to like, memorize yeah. those metric or those unit conversions pretty quick, don't you? <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, I still use nothing but uh, Imperial for my height and everything else. But you know, you'll then reloading use grains, of course, parts of a pound and. Everything else, but yeah, there's it's both both systems are used quite widely still, and at least with okay. our generation. But I think the kids are getting a little more metric than, than okay. us. Interesting. Well, and if you if you do care to do a business case study, that's what killed Target in Canada was the was the unit conversions, and they were really? um, they would they would send half full trucks because they didn't understand the difference between pounds and kilograms. <laughs> so the the way bill said kilograms, and they were and they were converting the wrong way and sending half as much of something or twice oh as much of something, and um, yeah, that that was one of the one of the, the things that killed uh, that killed Target's uh, expansion to Canada was the oh, was the unit conversions. Very interesting. Um, you mentioned the skid steer loader. Uh, do you got like a bobcat or something? Yeah, it's actually it's a 1960s Ericsson skid loader. So it's kind of a, along the lines of a mini skid. Um, they built them in the around the Minneapolis area in the Twin Cities there for just a few years back in the 60s, and then they sold uh, sold their designs to Ford. So uh, it's nothing fancy. It, I didn't pay much for it, but it gets the job done, and I keep it running. So doesn't mean it can't be jealous yeah yeah no, it's, it's awesome i tell you it, it gets a lot of work done around here so it's paid for itself a few times over that's for sure <laughs> cool all right i guess we're moving on to the main topic of the show so um i guess start off myself here uh cooking and power ridges i guess uh, number one the wood stove the yep. wood stove can't beat that yeah, I mean, okay, if you're gonna buy a wood right. stove, if you're gonna buy a wood stove for the house, I mean, what you know, you got to get one with a flat top. You can't have the decorative curvy top ones. Um, we've made everything from we've actually evaporated water to get sea salt. We've done yeah, actually cooking on there, like reheated food in a power outage. Uh, every time the power goes out, the first thing we do is kind of put like a kettle of water on top to keep uh, warm water going for dishes and everything else. Right. Uh, all the place plus the heat for the house, obviously that we still use for most of the year, but. Um, can't go wrong. A multi-purpose tool, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it doesn't cost any more fuel to to cook as well as heat your home at the same time. Exactly. Dual purpose. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm gonna be come out right now. I'm a bit of a propane fanboy because uh, like it doesn't get the extreme cold here like we do in you know Ontario or Minnesota or anything else or Wisconsin. And um, 
so yeah, I mean, propane around here is is good for everything, but the extreme cold weather, like uh, I think, what's down good down to Alan about minus thirty something. Like that. Uh, I think it's minus minus thirty three. I believe is when propane turns back to liquid. I think it's minus thirty three. That's minus thirty three Celsius, okay. um, which is I think I think minus forty five Fahrenheit. No, it's minus 54 Fahrenheit. I'd have to look that up. I just studied it, but um, yeah, it, it's way down there, and it, it often it doesn't often get cold enough in the in the southern part of the country to uh, to 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 be uh, an issue. Huh? To be an issue, yeah. <laughs> right. It does it does happen, but it's pretty rare around here. The further north you go, of course, the uh, the harder it is, or the more often it happens. But uh, and even then, you can still you can still light propane. It just takes a little bit longer. Right. You just have to get the gas. You just have to get the gas going. By the way, uh, as much fun as it might be to watch on YouTube, do not try and warm a propane tank if it's not lighting properly. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of YouTube, I was just looking at the comments. I keep on forgetting to look at these things. But uh, so yeah, Transport Organic Guru says uh, hunting season is like the purge. It would seem. I'm like, well, not nearly as cool. But, <laughs> but uh, Blizzard was asking if we've seen the hog traps. Have you guys heard anything about the feral hog traps? No, not at all. I mean, something tells me they're not effective because they're spreading like wildfire. So, uh, right. And uh, see here, yeah, minus thirty-three. You need a second tiger torch to heat the first cylinder to run your tiger torch. <laughs> That's a good Please point. don't heat your propane cylinders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome. I feel, like that's a, I feel like that's a requirement for me to say that. Yeah. But come on. It'd be fun. Um, yeah. Listen, so... if you're going to do it, just make sure it's on film. That's right. We'll make you famous. Yep. You will do it for 15 minutes. <laughs> Might as well get some likes out of it. <laughs> so, while well, we're talking about propane, I mean, I'm not saying to use your barbecue for cooking in uh, power outages because they're not very efficient. Um, I also have a large burner I use for like when I want to heat up a big vat of water for like processing chickens and stuff to get the feathers off. Those mm -hmm. aren't overly efficient either. So I think actually I gotta, it's all about me this, this, this time guys. So, uh, right <laughs> there is my green propane stove, that thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. so yeah, I just, uh, threw that up there because yeah, they're, they're cheap. They're what? 70 bucks, something like that. Maybe 50 bucks down in the States. Oh, you can uh, find, you can find the Magic GG for 20 bucks all year long. They're, they're always yeah. available used. I mean, and that being said, you can also get ones that are dual fuel that will take anything that you can you can pump up with pressure. But I mean, I like those because they're propane and then burns clean and everything else. Yeah. Nice, efficient, uh, fits on the countertop quite nicely. And yes, there is some issues with cooking inside, but if you have a large mm -hmm. open space, it's not a big deal. Uh, especially and a CO not, detector. Yeah, and if you're not running it constantly either, right? Yeah. Um, so definitely more efficient than using a barbecue. Uh, the thing I like about using like something like a gas-based, like a propane thing, is that you get the instant heat versus the slow electric element heat up. So if you want heat, heat's on just like that. Um, show and tell time. So for those of us on the YouTube, uh, sorry about the podcast, guys. Um, yeah, you can go to Walmart and buy something like this that's a propane tank adapter. So for like 30 bucks, you can hook up your pro, uh, propane camp stove to a 20-pound propane tank oh, nice. and pretty much have enough propane to last well the power outage. That's for sure. Right. I'm sure you'll also find those at Bass Pro and Cabela's, which yeah. are more universal to our American friends. Yeah, and then the uh, sure it, can. Yep. well, using these refillable one-pound containers. Sorry, I better make it all about me again for a sec here. <laughs> um, so yeah, using these one-pound containers. I mean, these things are like five or six bucks a piece, so mm -hmm. they're incredibly expensive if you want to like run cooking uh, for any length of time. I mean, you can also get these things on on Amazon that'll help you refill them from twenty-pound cylinders. 
not certified, not 100% kosher, but there's YouTube videos on how to do it for the $12 adapter that it is. And so you can... Specifically illegal, just for the record. Yes. So I'm just saying that you, you can find empty cylinders and you can refill them if you so desire. Don't do it indoors. <laughs> <laughs> And make sure you're filming it for YouTube. And make sure you're filming it. But I'm just saying, you know, so instead of spending five bucks a piece, you can probably refill them for 10 cents a piece or something like that. But anyway, uh, and you can find empty ones all over campsites everywhere. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. this is something to think about. But uh, so the way I did some quick numbers last camping trip, I figured it takes me about three days of like minimalist camping to go through one of those one pound containers. So if you think you have a 20 pound container, well, you got 60 days worth of gas if you're not doing like washing up and a whole bunch of other stuff all the time. But that'll take care of dishes and hot water needs for food and everything else. So that's that's a fair amount. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and that's with one and that's with one cylinder and two is one, one is none. So that puts you out theoretically for four months. Yeah, quarter just of the year if you've got Yeah, I was gonna say yep. just think if you got a hundred pound tank now. So you can actually get hundred pound tanks on the cheap because once somebody wants to get rid of one. They usually give it away almost because not too many people want them. Mm -hmm. um, go to Costco. You can fill those things up relatively cheaply. And yeah, they're good. Yeah. Um, and propane uh, stays good forever, right? So I mean, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, lasts forever. There's no expiry date on the actual gas itself. So the tank's going to rust out long before the gas is no good. Right. So yep. it's good. Um, the other so thing I did sure keep your tanks in good condition. Look for all that. Uh, look for all the good yeah. stuff. The, uh, the rust, the, I mean, the hydro, the hydro test date, that's important to know as well. Cause, um, as it gets close to that, as it gets close to that date, they actually won't fill it for you anymore. Ah, but that's where the tank exchange comes in handy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kid working at Menards, he doesn't care if the tank's all rusty. <clears throat> well, and even then they'll, <laughs> they'll take expired tanks even. Cause I actually like, um, so to get on and off the island, a lot of people have to take the ferry and there's a little bit of a hassle involved with taking propane tanks across on the ferry. So some people just throw them in the ditch before they hit the ferry terminal. <laughs> so a couple times now, I think actually four times I've found a 20 pound tank just short of the ferry terminal. Nice. <laughs> and I just take it to the tank exchange. I don't even have to paint it or anything. They'll just take it. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's expired or not. And uh, get a nice new shiny one. It's perfect. Nice. So well, those, those tank exchange places actually have like the, their facilities. They can actually recertify the tanks. They can, they can put a new, a new test date on it. Yeah, new test date and new valve of DB yep. or anything else, whatever the latest yep. uh, code is. Um, so, yeah, it's great. I didn't have one with me, but uh, there's a lot of times you go to an Asian grocery store or like specialty stores, they have those little small butane single burner stoves. You guys seen those? Yep. Yeah. So they like Bunsen burner from high school science class. <laughs> well, same idea, but they have these little cartridges. They're like ludicrously okay. expensive and inefficient, but they are compact and everything else. You can basically just screw it in a little, what looks like a lighter refill kind of can. Okay. And if you want to, like, you know, cook up soup or whatever, it's just something you can do that doesn't require power. Um, yep. It's just it's an alternative, but horribly inefficient and expensive to run. Yeah, I'm, I have I have a little stove that somebody gave me. It's it's in my camping box, but I, I don't use it all that often. It runs on uh, yeah on the pressurized butane, and the kid the the fuel cylinder for it is about the size of like a like a paint can, like a spray like a spray paint can. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll last it'll last me a good two or three days. Uh, you know, of cooking, cooking two hot meals and doing dishes when I'm camping. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't want some, to buy them regularly, but yeah. But some for power, just to think about it. If you if you can get a hold of one cheaply or whatever, I mean, who knows, yep. right? Mm -hmm. um, just spitting ball and ideas. Uh, kind of ran out of other like mainstream ones, but yeah, there's always the campfire with the uh, the Dutch oven. You can always mm -hmm. uh, cook on that. Um, yeah. 
the rocket stove. There's uh, great YouTube videos on how to make a rocket stove with basically pipe and a five-gallon bucket with cement. It's actually kind of cool. <clears throat> and then um, car manifolds. Some people do uh, cooking in their cars. You guys yep. seen that? Sure. Oh, yeah. You yeah. stole that one from me. <laughs> oh, did I? That was my ah. ace in the hole. <laughs> ah, dang. That, it's so funny because somebody's making s'mores and some other stuff I saw on YouTube, and they were like, just drive 15 miles, <laughs> and your s'mores will be ready. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Um, or or put them on 15 miles before before your destination. I guess there you is go. Probably the, the, the efficient way to do that. Uh, solar ovens. I mean, uh, we have one, but we haven't had much luck because we're kind of in a shady spot. Um, so only during the, the heat or peak of summer do we get like enough sun to make it work. But solar ovens are a thing, if you, especially if it's yeah. nice. I, I remember cooking uh, cooking hot dogs in, in Cub Camp and uh, or Scout Camp. The solar oven that you made out of a, a shoebox and some tin foil and a, uh, and a coat hanger for the spit. And you can cook hot dogs and sausages and pretty much anything tubular on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's something. A tin foil and a piece of glass will do it if, if, if you're in a pinch, right? Yep. Uh, last uh, flash of brilliance I had before I'll head it over to you guys was the, uh, the solar system. So if you have a solar system of any sort and you have a you know 120-volt kind of uh, inverter, um, something to think about, we bought something for the kids when they're going off to university to put in their little dorm room is like an induction stove. So it doesn't have a flame or an electric element that actually heats up it basically just works on magnetism and, and metal pots um so if you're in a small space that's you're worried about oxygen usage and everything else and you have a solar system hey you got an induction stove uh it's something to think about and it's quiet sure yeah so. it's quiet it's also it also the the disadvantage of it of course is that it doesn't heat your home as well but depending on your situation you might not need that that's right, right. um Lots of lots of great things there. The only thing I might add to the camping to the campfire part is a uh, um, similar to the rocket stove. I mean, there are lots of uh, things like the get out stay out stove that we're still expecting a user review from, but um, things like oh, the yeah. camp stoves. And he's listening right now too. Get all that review, dude. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that fun, we need to, like... We want to talk about this some more. That's right. Um, but essentially, essentially anything like a rocket stove, but you know, any any place where you can contain um where you can contain the the heat it makes it makes it efficient to cook um actually just one of the things that i did when i was building our our winter car kits um for uh for my better half and i was i took i found a um uh, went scavenging in the in the cupboard and i found a can you know a little bit taller than a soup can from david's tea because that's the thing that happens in our house and poked a couple of holes in the bottom and with a couple of tea lights and a metal mug. I can actually you can actually boil water. Yeah. In yep. a fair in a re, in a reasonable <laughs> amount of time. So, um, whatever it is, whatever you choose, just make sure you have lots of fuel for it. Right. You have a plan for it. If you're going to be, you know, we're going. I'm going to say it again because I'm a safety nerd. If you're cooking indoors and you're burning any kind of hydrocarbon fuel indoors, that's propane or butane or wood or anything carbon based, make sure you have a battery powered carbon monoxide detector. Yes, Dad. Carbon, carbon monoxide. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, carbon monoxide poisoning is a terrible way to die. Actually, it <laughs> don't well, do it. One would think it'd be kind of peaceful. You just kind of fall right, asleep. And... asleep. Yeah. <laughs> but no. still, dying is still horrible. No. I'm just saying, you know. But... <laughs> one, the dying is horrible too. The the part where you fall asleep and you're kind of drowsy is not the worst part. It's the right. part where you can no longer breathe and you start choking on absolutely uh, nothing because your body's true. just not <laughs> absorbing oxygen. The, That's the, when it starts getting nasty. Yeah, the suck would probably increase at that point. Uh, actually, a couple right. of YouTube comments uh, that brought up a good couple of points. The hobo stove. I forgot about those. Uh, 
speaking of Boy Scouts, uh, yep. ho- hobo stove, just to make sure we're clear on that. When I mentioned Boy Scouts, I just what, didn't want any jokes <laughs> flying in there. Okay, so yeah, hobo stove. Uh, we, what we used to do is we'd take the, the cardboard uh, with like a tuna can and you kind of coil up the cardboard of the tuna can, pour on some uh, uh, that wax there. What do you call that stuff? The, paraffin. The canning, paraffin wax. And yep. uh, that was one way we did it. And so it was kind of a compact little stove. I mean, they sell the same thing in camping supply stores with a little frame and little, you know, fuel tablets and stuff. But um, yeah, it's cheap to make. Um, that's something we used to use. Or if people just use a coffee can, throw a little twigs in there. Um, yep. Somebody mentioned the D- Dakota Fire, uh, which is kind of the same idea as a rocket stove, just built dug into the ground. Have you yep. guys seen those? Yeah. Oh yeah, those yeah. are cool. Actually, I've, I've, I did one a couple of years ago in the backyard just for kicks, and um, surprisingly effective in terms of producing heat, containing fuel, and not. Uh, not giving away flames. So especially if you are in a position where you need to keep a low profile, um, yeah. the Dakota stove is an excellent choice. That's right. the number one the draw fire. for me is, yeah, nobody can see the flame from 10 miles away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So the Dakota stove is kind of cool, which I think is kind of why the, the indigenous people there used it at the time is to not say, hey, we got food over here. Come yep. on over. Yep. Um, but it all, it, the, the advantage of it is also conserves fuel because you're there's less... Uh, there's less induction of heat from, from the wind. So um, it's, those are all excellent ideas. You know, again, we're assuming the, assuming that you're at home and that you've got a temporary power outage. Um, Please don't try and dig a Dakota fire in your back, in your, uh, in your living room. It's not going to go well. (laughs) Well, in a small city lot, it might make your neighbors a little upset too. Um, yeah, tea lights work. That's a good point, Tim. Uh, tea lights do work. Uh, yeah, yeah. The storage. It's not just for like letting scents off or keeping your uh, your lobster uh, butter warm. It's it's actually got multiple purposes. But the the important thing is not just having a flame, right? Because a flame by itself will heat things, but it's not a, it's not terribly efficient. You want to contain and focus the flame. That's your that's your ultimate goal. And you can do that in a thousand ways. But you know, keep a couple of old keep a couple of old empty cans around. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will, you know, a couple of tea lights in the bottom, punch a hole in the side for ventilation, and you've got yourself a you've got yourself a stove in a pretty short order. Um, not a bad idea if you, especially in the spring, you'll find people are uh, um, getting rid of old barbecues. The grills inside are usually just fine. Mm-hmm. You'll see them at the side of the road. Just pop over, grab the grill, grab the grills out of it. Then whatever fire you end up making. You've got a thing to actually put on top of it and hang a put a pot or a pan or whatever, um, so that you can uh, you can cook efficiently. Because um, there's nothing there's nothing more uncomfortable than trying to hold a, a cast iron pan <laughs> over an open fire. <laughs> it gets heavy real quick. Yeah. Well, you know, instead of holding that cast iron pan over the fire, you could use a get out stay out grill. <laughs> you could use a get out stay out grill. Which I'd love to learn more about. Hint, hint. Yeah, tra- tra- the the owner of said grill is actually also mentioned the Primus Omni Fuel Stove can pretty much use any fuel source, including white gas, gasoline, propane, diesel, jet fuel, human fat. I don't know. Something for much anything. It depends on how long the power outage lasts, I guess. But uh, yeah, no. So that, that is a good point. I mean, there's some multi fuel stoves out there that, that work well too. Yep, mm-hmm. and whatever it is, as as good as good preppers, you all you'll always have lots of backup fuel. So, um, I think the longest power outage I've ever been involved in was in an urban environment was about four days. So, if you've got twenty days worth of fuel, then you're in good shape. Yeah, that's easy for you. 
Cool. Yeah, so I guess going along with we were talking about the tea lights, I had come across one cool idea. Uh, they called it an apple box oven. Uh, and what they did was just take a you know a larger rectangular apple box. I suppose you could use like a banker's box or a paper box. Uh, oh, wrap apple it in boxes only. <laughs> yeah, apple boxes only. Uh, and basically just wrap it in tin foil. Uh, they cut a few holes in it for ventilation, and then and then what they did was just take a like a baking sheet propped it up on four pop cans and then they they could lay either charcoal or tea candles inside and that would you know reflect all that heat so you could bake in there and everything else um that's a good idea yeah yeah i thought so yeah i thought so too and then uh along with that have have a lot of tinfoil on hand um i know when we're cooking on the grill we do we call them hobo packs uh basically just throw all your veggies and and you know maybe some of your meat inside a tinfoil wrap throw it on the grill you could throw it over an open fire uh, if you're cooking over a flame, I know uh, another thing you can do is just finding like a large flat stone um, to set, you know, even even to cook your meat directly on that stone. Um, that's another possibility. Tarzan steaks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If, if it gets the job done right and you don't have anything else. We always uh, we always bury those those foil packs. We always bury them under the coals and then leave it for oh, five yeah. or six hours. We go out and do our thing. You do it at lunchtime and then you come back at dinner and you've got this nice piping hot. You bet. Delicious. Meal ready to go. So yeah. it's not just for hats, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. Multi-purpose. Not just for hats anymore. Yeah. That's right. So pick okay. up an extra box for cooking, too, not just the hats, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, actually, uh, t- sorry, Blizzard mentioned the cooking the steak, uh, wrap it up in a tinfoil on the back. Oh, there you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. I guess it would seal the fat in. Hopefully, it wouldn't stick to the tinfoil. I wouldn't think it would. Yeah. Uh, let's see. One other thing you I came wrap, across. Wrap it in parchment paper, then wrap it in... Uh, then wrap it in tin foil and you're good to go. There you go. Uh, another thing I don't think we talked about this was a single log stove. I've also heard it referred to as a Swedish fire log. You take take like an eight or ten inch diameter log, split it four ways down the middle, kind of pull that log apart, and then you start your fire right in the in the center of that log. It'll burn from the inside out. That's going to help keep that heat, funnel it up towards whatever uh, you know pot or whatever you have sitting on top of it. Um, kind of goes along with that minimalist camping camping cooking and uh i guess the only other thing i had was uh, maybe if you're doing a big project outside you want to put in like an outdoor grill or pizza oven i've seen you know some fancy landscape setups with those that would be sweet <laughs> but that's a pretty substantial investment i think to make something like that so yeah, yeah, especially, especially if you live in an environment where it snows six months a year yeah um, exactly. <laughs> it might it might not be the highest thing on your priority list yeah the Swedish right. fire log, though, that I've, there's, I've seen a few YouTube videos on that. It's actually pretty cool how it just uh, it also supports the pot as well as you know keeps the well, flame right, going. Right. It's yep. Uh, yep. pretty cool. Um, pretty efficient, I, yeah. I have a challenge for Tim Gilby on the YouTube comments. He says he's got a, uh, a setup for made from stainless buckets that can boil water with a few tea light candles in a few minutes. Wow! V- pictures or yep. it didn't happen. <laughs> or it didn't yep. happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have to, to see a uh, email review on that one for sure. Yep. Right. I guess going along with that boiling water, I mean, anything you can cook in boiling water is going to be, you know, it's going to be pretty easy to boil water, at least a lot easier to boil water than cook a perfect steak on open fire or something like that. Um, I know I went to a crawfish boil one time where they actually cooked a cooler full of corn with boiling water. They just filled it up with corn and potatoes, dumped their boiling water in, it sat in the cooler for 20, 30 minutes, and then it was perfectly cooked after that. Yep. So. Yeah. That is certainly a way to do it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, Having having the right tools on hand is important too. I mean, go back to the cast iron episode, a Dutch oven, a nice big uh, nice big right. fry pan. Um, they do take a little bit longer to heat up, but they're also going to stay warmer longer. 
And when mm -hmm. you don't have the the fine control of a good gas grill, then um, or an electric grill or an electric uh, stove, then you've got a little bit less chance of ruining your food. Right. Cool. Yeah. So I guess and, uh, just what and when it comes time, and just one of those one of those uh, good planning things. When it comes time, cook the food in your fridge first, in your freezer second, and then get into your non-perishable preps. Right. Especially yeah. if the power is going to be out for for any length of time. Um, Get, get the stuff that's raw cooked. It's going to take longer to spoil that way and keep it cool, keep it in a cool, dry place. Mm -hmm. um, ooh. Remind me to add that to the podcast episode, to the next po to, to the podcast idea episode or uh, document. I had a thought for how we can keep the, the opposite of this, of keeping, keeping food cool in a power outage. That's ooh. a good idea. Yeah. I'm different different, to different topic that. entirely, but remind me to add that to the list. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Did anybody else have any other cooking ideas? Any recipes? Recipes, that's a good idea. Boil boil water, add to soup. <laughs> <laughs> well, go. I mean those those foil those foil packets, and I mean you can do those you can do those in, in literally any of these applications. Um, those foil packets are something I, I mean I've been doing those for years and uh, I always found that ground meat was the best. Um, ground beef, uh, whatever veggies you like. Um, Throw a little bit of uh, throw a little bit of sauce in there, some salt and pepper. Uh, wrap that up and, and just tuck it tuck it away for a little mm -hmm. bit a little bit. Of course, the uh, the longer you do, the more kind of savory it gets. But um, we always right. did uh, peas peas and corn peas corn and carrots like the mixed veg the, the mixed veggies put it in the yep. put in the pack. Um, we always used it, it was just something that ended up at a, kind of a tradition when I was in Scouts was we used bullseye barbecue sauce uh, because the somebody brought a bottle one time and it just kind of became a thing um so we always did bullseye barbecue sauce with those and then uh that was my that was our kind of one of the things i remember from scout camp was 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 uh those foil packets um and again they can they can do on anything you can do that in a in a solar oven you can do that in a over a fire you can do those in a um, in a wood fire over a gas grill whatever you want so those are pretty universal mm -hmm. I guess one other thing I just thought of with cooking, uh, cooking without electricity. Do, do you guys, any of you guys, do uh, like smoking meats or anything like that? That'd be a okay. After a bit of failure here, I have a big chief smoker I bought on Canadian Tire uh, Black Friday two years ago, maybe three. <laughs> okay, it's still sitting in the wrapper. It's oh in yeah. Storage. <laughs> yeah. So I got this big chief smoker for half half price, and it's not one of those like you know automatic electric because like, I wanted like no electricity required. I wanted all the the manual everything. Yeah. Um, but there's an art form to that and a time requirement, which I don't have right yeah. now. So I've got the smoker sitting there. It's a, you know, a long-term to do project, but I've never tried it. Right. Yeah. I know I got a buddy that made one, made one out of a 55 gallon steel drum and basically just cut the top off of it, put a few grates in there and you just start a fire in the bottom with your charcoal. And apparently it worked good. It's not something I've ever gotten into, but thought maybe you guys had, so. Another idea. No, it's it's something that I want to do. It's probably a two year two years from now project, but it's uh, yeah. I, uh, actually, I saw one that was pretty cool. Somebody made one out of a filing cabinet, like a four drawer filing cabinet. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a good idea. The, you let the fire in the bottom drawer, and then you can stack whatever you want in the, awesome. in the top three drawers. I've That's seen cool everything movie. from like uh, hot water tanks, fridges, used outhouses. Oh, oh yeah, old. I've Ooh. I've seen, <laughs> but you can actually buy one thing that I thought was really cool though. Is you can buy like cast iron hardware to put on two barrels, and you basically get a double barrel system where you have like two oh, pipes yeah. running up. 
And if yep. you use two 45-gallon barrels, you get the, the fire on the bottom and the meat on top. It actually looks really cool. That would be like a yeah. you know, when I'm retired and have tons of time to kill with a with a MIG welder or somebody yep. will work on barrels anyway. Uh, that'd be great. But yeah, I know people who use a similar setup for doing like maple sap and stuff uh, as well, boiling the sap off and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's definitely an, uh, an idea, but I I don't have enough experience with it to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe we'll uh, that that might be something we should dedicate uh, we should dedicate another episode to it is smoking because it's an excellent way to preserve meat long term. Yeah, absolutely. I have to get a subject matter expert on for that one because yeah. I don't know it. Yeah. First thing about it. I don't know anything about either. The, the lazy prepper in me wants to get the the full auto like electric one that has like you know, the pucks in the bottom and the elements and everything else. We just turn it dial and tell it what temperature you want and everything else. But mm -hmm. it kind of takes yeah. away from the whole philosophy, I guess. But yeah. anyway, uh, that's pretty much it. You guys got anything else? Yeah, I was going to say, I guess, you know, with cooking without electricity, it means you're going to be cleaning, doing your dishes without running water, most likely. Um, so what we've started doing around here, uh, we usually buy just Dawn dish soap in the larger bottles, and then we refill that into smaller bottles. But when that large bottle runs out, just go ahead and fill it up with water. The the residual soap kind of left on the walls and on the bottom, that's going to be enough to concentrate it and still be effective for cleaning. Throw that on a shelf in the basement. It's already clearly labeled with what it is. And uh, you can, you know, it's just a good way to recycle and, and still be prepared to, you know, clean your dishes. You're still going to need to clean your forks and knives and plates off during a power outage. Um, so just another thought works with laundry soap, hand soap, body wash, shampoo, conditioner, all those other things. So just a good idea for you guys. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Don just soap works best for uh, cleaning up brass with steel pins. Okay. There you go. Another use for it. This right? episode brought to you by Don. Don. <laughs> all <laughs> really survival needs. We're supposed to get the sponsor first before we plug them. But, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> if if we plug them, they will come. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there's there's another joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and uh, I think that's a good time to move on to the podcast challenge. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so the podcast challenge this uh, this month is uh, store enough cooking ability for one month without power, which sounds daunting, but not really. Um, uh, a we, tank, right? yeah like i said you know if you have a propane powered barbecue and you just get a spare tank so that even if your propane tank runs out you still got a full 20 pounder then you pretty much got a month's supply if you if you go judicious with it if you're not out there smoking ribs and yeah everything else <laughs> smoking. So you, you probably got enough to run a camp stove for a month i'm thinking with a 20 yeah. pounder i mean if you really stretch it but i mean <laughs> so yeah get a couple extra 20 pounders you're good to go or find something on you know craigslist for uh, a used tank that's still good and refillable why not Mm -hmm. um so it should be relatively cheap podcast challenge to do yeah. uh upcoming events events anyone no christmas is coming yeah <laughs> well, yeah. yeah get prepared celebrated, merry christmas if not well then you're a communist so <laughs> you mean you don't call it your winter celebration or your your uh <laughs> festivus for the rest of us that's right cool uh got a email review uh eric has not uh uh, allowed us to access the pod or sorry itunes reviews because he's been uh, playing hooky for the last couple weeks but uh anyways we do have a facebook review from jake uh alan you want to read that one sure jake says howdy fellas just discovered your podcast on spotify last week i drive alone quite a bit at work so i burn through podcasts quite fast just finished up fortifying the doomstead today all right uh quite entertaining and a great way to kill the day we feel the same way just for the record <laughs> A lot of have heard quite a lot of helpful and interesting things in your episodes so far. 
grew up spending lots of time outdoors as we lived in a uh, fairly rural area on 100 plus acres with one neighbor. Spent three years in the Army Reserve while in high school, learned a lot of valuable skills, a lot of which I still use today. Uh, has worked for CP Rail going on 15 years, couldn't pay me enough to sit in an office all day. Amen. Uh, in a hunting, fishing, ATV, and camping, and I've always done my best to make sure that I'm prepared for whatever life and nature can throw at me. Look forward to future episodes and hopefully some in-depth discussion on some topics. Jake, awesome. Thank you so much for the, for the review. We love hearing from everybody. Um, let us know what in-depth discussion you want, you want to hear. Did we skip over something? Do you want to learn more? Do you want to circle back to something else? Um, we're not running out of ideas, but that doesn't mean that we can't change course and go back and revisit something. Um, and if you decide that when one of those times when you're not on the road, you want to uh, you want to come on an episode, then give us a topic and we'll uh, we'll work it in. Or if you got so welcome, Jake. Yeah, and if you're a subject matter expert on something like smoking, we could use you. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Smoking, smoking, smoking meat specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not just smoking cigarettes. Anybody can do that. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I heard it's cheap and good for you, so why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what could be wrong with it? If, if it were wrong, the government would make it illegal. That's right. That's good tax revenue, at least. <laughs> oh, that's the good thing about it. Uh, okay, I guess it will bring us to the uh, outro here. So I'm going to bring episode 44 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. Take a few minutes and submit a review. It helps other people find us. And you can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca and on Facebook. We do record these shows on StreamYard. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Click the link. Uh, click the notification tab that gives you alerts when we are going live. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook Live doing the exact same thing. So through the Facebook page, uh, alerts and all that good stuff. Um, I don't Facebook, so I don't know how that works exactly, but apparently it's a thing. Um, apparently. <laughs> um, if you want to contact me directly, you can find me on Instagram at PPSWO because somehow Instagram is morally superior to Facebook. Is it really? No. <laughs> no. But you get all those cool filters. You can look old or, you know, hot or whatever. Yeah. Or, or, or exactly like, a, like a baby or whatever. Yeah. Uh, fun. Yeah, so uh, we're working to get uh, maybe a homestead farm page going on social media. So I'm not going to put my personal email out there yet, but I uh, hope to have a contact for you guys very soon if you want to reach out and maybe kind of keep track of what we're doing here on homestead. Uh, in the meantime, you can, uh, if you want to get a hold of Tyler, shoot an email to feedback at prepperpodcast.ca and we will filter it out to him that yeah. way or yeah. or through the website uh sorry not the website the facebook page we can uh, we can we can pass on a message that way cool uh you can reach ian directly by emailing me at the island retreat at gmail.com and you can also find me on canadian patriot podcast which is also available on itunes and youtube there you can find us discussing more government waste squirreling off on the odd firearms related banter and exposing the daily loss of freedoms we're facing Doesn't it sound great the way he says that? He's so enthusiastic about losing freedom. <laughs> uh, it's, it's well, it's it's continuous, it's, it's, it's consistent, and it's you know the government's been quite relentless with it. So there's always lots to talk about, which is good. there's always lots to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> While you're lamenting that, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. There you can get Eric live on the chat, find some really cool prepper gear. You can also email. Feedback at the prepperpodcast.ca while you're buying the pre your prepper gear at Rapid Survival. 
Um, now is a great time to stock up on things like water filtration and things to keep yourself warm and I, stuff I think to get yourself out of the snow. I think he's still trying to get rid of some life straws too. Yeah, that's <laughs> water, water, water stuff. Yeah, life straws, get them. Yeah. Hopefully, get some Sawyer's too. Uh, I want to buy some off from one of these days. But well, buy all the life straws. Then, he, then he's got room for more inventory. <laughs> oh, no, I told him I can't do that. All right. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us and tune in for the next episode where we're going to be talking about signaling for help, which I'm doing right now. <laughs> help. <laughs> Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. Take care, guys.